Welcome to City Harvest Sermon Podcast. Coming up is a word from Pastor Aris Zukanayan. Today, I want to continue from the last sermon I preached in the month of June on the title, God is Doing Something New. And how many of you can sense that God is actually doing something in our midst as we are preparing to enter into a new season of our church? And friends, God wants to do something new in you and through you. And God does not like and God does not want us to copy someone else's methods so that we can progress. So God also doesn't want us to repeat the methods of past victories. He wants to do something new in you and through you. God wants to do something new in City Harvest Church and through City Harvest Church. How many of you can say amen? Now, that's why during this season of our time, before God is about to bring us into a new season, that it is important for you and I to be discerning and in a prayer mode. We need to be in a prayer mode. We need to be in a state of prayer. Why? Because Isaiah 43, 16, 21 says, remember? He says, this is what God says. The God who builds a road right through the ocean, who carves a path through the pounding waves, the God who summons horses and chariots and armies, they lie down and then can't get up. They are snuffed out like so many candles. And then look at what the Lord says. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over all history. What did the Bible say? Be alert and be present. What, is, what does it mean? Be alert. It means be in prayer. Watch and pray. Watch what? Watch the present. Watch what I'm doing right now in you and through you. Because He wants to do something brand new. And the Bible says it's already bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the badlands, wild animals will say thank you, the coyotes and the buzzards. Now, those two things that the Lord did and the Lord is doing sounds and looks very familiar in the verse. But if you read carefully, God actually is doing something different. That's why if you are not discerning enough, if you are not in prayer mode, God, you know, is doing something new and you don't even recognize it. And it can be very frustrating and tiring for you as you want to break through or progress in life. That's why it's important for you and I to be unbusy and to be in prayer. Because, what did I say in the month of June? Prayer helps you to discern the new from the novelty and the nostalgia. So today, I want to continue with this same line of thinking. And how many of you agree with me over the last few weeks since the month of June itself? Really, over the weekends, the weekend sermons, the weekend services, the atmosphere has been gearing us up into something new. You know, we had Pastor Ming, remember, to kickstart the weekend before Emerge to remind us that God wants to bring us from survival to revival. And then after that, we had Erwin McManus who reminded us of God's future in City Harvest for City Harvest Church. He reminded us all our failures are actually God's material for our future. That our future is on the other side of our fear. That's why He encouraged us to be bold to face our future. Remember, the road ahead is never going to get easier, but instead, we must get stronger. And my favorite statement when He said, really hit me was, He said this, why is it that we act as if 
We need permission from God to begin when we don't even seek His permission to quit. So that's why if you and I are paralyzed by fear of our past, failures of our past, and if you are stuck and not move, let me tell you, the world will not seek your permission. They will act first. And they will take our next generation away from God and His church. That's why it's time for us as a church to position ourselves spiritually to be ready for a new move of God in our midst. Come on, let's give God a big round of applause. Hallelujah. So we get ourselves ready for a move of God in our midst. Now, that's why I want to begin by reading to you Luke chapter 5, verse 17 to verse 20 in the message version. So let's take a look at this story. Luke chapter 5, verse 17, 20. And if you're excited, please say yes. Verse 17, he says, One day as Jesus was preaching, Pharisees and religion teachers were sitting around. They had come nearly every village in Galilee and Judea, even as far away as Jerusalem to be there. And the healing power of God was on him. Verse 18, Some men arrived carrying a paraplegic on a stretcher. They were looking for a way to get into the house and set him before Jesus. But when they couldn't find a way in because of the crowd, they went up onto the roof. They removed some tiles and let him come down in the middle of everyone right in front of Jesus. Impressed by their bold belief, he said, friend, I forgive your sins. Now church, it's an interesting story that you and I know. That day, there were four young men who brought their paraplegic friend and they wanted to bring him to be healed by Jesus. Now, as they came into the house, the Bible says that the house was so full and was so overcrowded with people. They saw that the house was so full and overcrowded that there was no way for them to bring their friend through the doorway. So, because they couldn't get in, what did they do? They go up. They opened the ceiling. They went up to the roof. And when they opened the roof, they opened the ceiling and broke through the roof and start to lower their friend to Jesus. What does this story tell us? City Harvest Church, I want to tell you this. In this new season that God is bringing us into, God is telling us through this story that ceilings are meant to be broken. Ceilings are meant to be broken. And every barrier that is stopping people to come to Jesus needs to be broken in Jesus' name. Every hindrances that is stopping people from being touched by Jesus need to be broken. How many of you can say amen? Now, interestingly, that in Mark chapter 2, this story was described like this. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. After they broke through the ceiling, the Bible says that they lowered the man on a mat to the floor where Jesus was preaching. So they lowered the man. After they broke through the ceiling, they lowered the man onto the floor so that he can meet Jesus. City Harvest Church, I want to tell you this. This is really what the Lord is speaking to us. Let me tell you and let me remind you 
the floor you are standing on today is actually a previous ceiling our leaders shattered yesterday. The floor that you guys are standing on today are actually previous ceilings that our former leaders shattered. That our leaders shattered yesterday. Where you are standing on today are actually previous ceilings that we shattered yesterday. And the reason someone shattered some barriers yesterday is because you and I have new grounds to stand on. Come on, give God a big hand. If God is bringing us into a new season, that means God wants us to break through some barriers. And to break through ceilings, the purpose is so that you guys can have a new ground to stand on. New level, new standard, new breakthroughs. Now that's why the word ceiling is a term to describe upper barrier or limitation that hinders you to progress further or higher. Limitation or barrier that boxes you in to a certain expectation. Imposed to you by society or even by tradition. And friends, it can come in the form of a fixed mindset or an old tradition that you and I cannot shake off. That's why if you and I want to be led by the Holy Spirit, like what Pastor Bob says, that we are a disciple, but we are also a pilgrim. That means the Holy Spirit wants to lead us into new territories, new grounds for us to take. How many of you can say amen? But for us to break through into new grounds, we must be willing to break through some barriers. We must be willing to break through some old tradition. We must be willing to break through old mindset. We must, be, we must forget about the past methods of victories because God is bringing us into something new. We must change our mindset. We must renew our mind. We must open our eyes to see because eyes have not seen, ears have not heard what God has installed for the people who truly believe in Him. Come on, give God a big hand. Hallelujah. You see, that's why when previous generation broke through a ceiling, it finally became the ground that the current generation is standing on. Now church, the four young men broke through ceilings. And before today, now I know that I want to talk about breaking ceilings. And usually, whenever we start talking about breaking ceilings, all the young people will be very happy. Hallelujah. Because finally, we can start talking about progress, breaking through new grounds, vandalism, without getting caught in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, right? Now, but friends, before you and I talk about breaking other people's rooftop, which sermons like this get a lot of people very excited. Oh man, yes, pastor. Finally, you're going to talk about some vision thing whereby you're going to go through into new territories and we can start taking on new grounds. What is the next thing in store for City Harvest Church? Let me tell you, friends. Before we get there, it is important that you and I establish two things today. The first one, we need to learn and establish and understand the motivation behind the action. Remember, motivation is motive in action. Because only when you understand the motive and the purpose behind your action, then only then your action can be sustainable. If you're always trying to break other people's rooftop without understanding the purpose behind it, you will get sued sooner or later. And the work of God will be hindered, will stop. But if you understand the purpose behind breaking ceilings, 
You understand the purpose, the motive behind break, taking on new grounds. Let me tell you, those actions will be sustainable because you understand the purpose. Otherwise, it will, it will just be another slogan for us to get hype up. Now remember, City Harvest Church, we want, we want holy people, not hype up people. Every single week, we want holy people, not hype up people who can say amen. And people don't buy what you do, they only buy why you do it. Now, notice that the owner of this house, now, history says that probably the owner of this house that Jesus used to have his meeting was actually Peter's house. So notice that Peter didn't get mad with this young man for breaking his property. Now, why? Why didn't Peter get mad and angry? Because Peter understands the purpose behind their action. And you know, like what Sun said to me after she came back from US last year, and I was so impacted by what she said. She said this, people don't mind if you are digging into their lives as long as you are digging out the gold inside of them. How many of you can say amen, right? So, Peter doesn't mind if you break my property as long as I understand the purpose behind that action. Guys, people don't mind you breaking through new grounds, breaking some traditions. People don't mind you taking on new territories. You know, as long as they understand the purpose behind it. How many of you can say amen? And as long as you and I understand the purpose behind it, the motive, those things that you are doing will be sustainable. It will not just be a one-time event, but it will be sustainable. You will continue to break ceilings. You will continue to take new grounds. You will continue to break ceilings. You will continue to take new grounds. Sustainable evangelism. Sustainable evangelism. Sustainable church growth. That's what we want. How many of you can say amen? Now, so therefore, why is it that we need to break ceilings? Why is it that we need to take on new territories? Why do we do it? Now, take a look at the verse again. Luke chapter 5, verse 18, 20. Some men arrived carrying a paraplegic on a stretcher. They were looking for a way to get into the house and set him before Jesus. But when they couldn't find a way in because of the crowd, they went up onto the roof. Church, what is the purpose and the reason that we need to break ceilings and take on new grounds? Why? Because our primary reason for breaking ceilings is so that Jesus can remain accessible to the evolving needs of society. Give God a big hand. Hallelujah. What is the purpose that you and I break old traditions and set new grounds and take on new grounds? It's so that the current generation, the evolving generation, can remain accessible to Jesus so that they can keep coming to Jesus, so that our church will continue to remain relevant. The gospel that we preach and present will constantly remain relevant to the needs of today's generation. Come on, give God a big hand. Hallelujah. And the thing is this, they were bringing in their friends who is in need, a paraplegic. But as they came into the house of God, the house of God was overcrowded and was so full. And they couldn't get the people in. See, that's the problem with church. The church is full of people who don't need Jesus. And yet the people who need Jesus are stuck out there. And that's the issue here. It's a mindset. Church, 
don't let your love of a full house blind you to the issues it creates for people who have needs to come to Jesus. And people are so happy that if the church is full, but the question is, is the church full or is the church meeting the needs of society? Hallelujah, amen, right? And that's the thing. We need to understand the main point is that we need to constantly bridge the cultural gap between the gospel and our current generation. And for us to bridge these new evolving needs of society, we constantly need to break ceilings and take on new grounds. We need to think how the current generation thinks, how they do business today, how they live their life in the marketplace today, because how they live today is very different from how we live yesterday. And the reason why we need to break ceilings is so that the gospel can remain accessible to the current needs of today. That's why, so that generation can come to Christ and not get left behind in the desert. How many of you can say amen? You see, that's why church never confuse the mission with the method. You see, you need to always constantly ask ourselves, is our church in the church business or in the making disciples business? Because if you are not clear of what business we are in, then you and I will sacrifice the mission instead of the method. And instead of you, right, building and discipling people, you end up investing a bigger building, a much more beautiful building, a much more beautiful lights, a much more beautiful technology, a much more beautiful equipment, but at the end of the day, the needs of the society are not met. And church, this is not what we want. We want City Harvest Church to become a church in a marketplace to fulfill the needs of today's marketplace and to fulfill the needs of today's young generation. And that's why we need to change our mindset. We need to pray for God to open our eyes to see and not get stuck with current or past victories. How many of you can say amen? That's why never confuse the mission with the method. And if you are clear, right, you will invest into the mission rather than on the methods. You are more than willing to sacrifice the methods as long as people keep coming to Jesus and let their needs being met by Jesus. <laughs> hallelujah. Come on, sa Saturday 5 p.m. service. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. You know what, I'll give an example. You know, long time ago in Bethlehem, and our church in a couple of weeks' time is going to celebrate 30th anniversary. 30 is a number of maturity. So you think that you have conquered Goliath. But let me tell you, it, was on, it is only a beginning. We still have yet to experience Absalom. We still have yet to experience Amalekites. Goliath was just the beginning. But during our time, when I was young, and still I am st I'm young, when we first started the church, when Pastor Kong started the church, when I was 15, 16 years old, and when you guys were only 15, 18 years old, back then, in our Generation X mindset, young people didn't like to go to church because there was a perception, there was a ceiling, a mindset that church back then was old, backward, boring, and not relevant at all. 
Now, back in those days, Pastor Kong broke through some ceilings. And you know what? He introduced likes, creativity, vibrant praise and worship, and exciting, relevant preaching coupled with concert hall design to the church. And guess what? We became a very cool church in town. We become a very cool church in town. Okay? Now, because we broke through this ceiling of church that is deemed to be old, backward, and we introduced cool into the church, today, it is very common everywhere to see churches having lights and concert hall design. We attracted many youth back then. And those of us who came during those period of time can remember, we began to see that Jesus is actually accessible in a cool setting. That churches don't need to be boring, old-fashioned, and backward. How many of you can say amen? That we can be forward-looking. We can be looking cool and still love Jesus and still be in touch with Jesus. Come on, give God a big hand. Hallelujah. And we grew. But fast forward to 2019. Fast forward to today, 2019. Guess what, City Harvest Church? I have bad news to you. Today, cool churches is everywhere. My point to you today is this. Cool isn't enough anymore. Cool isn't enough anymore. Now, last time, simply being a cooler church, and I know that our church, you know, our aircon is not that cool. Hallelujah, right? So, so we need to have a cooler church, amen, right? But that's not what I meant here, right? But last time, being a cooler church, you know, right? Being a cooler church than most churches down the road will help the church to grow. There was a day when all you had to do was just improve the church setting. You lead by, by, by adding likes. You, 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 you add more sound. You add some haze to enhance the, the, the atmosphere of the Holy Ghost. Amen, right? And then you, you put on some, you know, you put on some, some pyrotechnics every time, every now and then. Amen, right? So when I say at the right time, Jesus is coming. Boom, amen, right? Everybody, oh wow, I sense Jesus here. You know, right? And, then, and, and we got to invite Great teachers, great preachers from all over the world, great teachings in the room, and boom, churches will grow. But friends, can I tell you this? Today's generation is very different. Again, my point is, being cool alone is not enough. There's got to be more substance than stuff. Why? Because most cities today, not just cities, even in Singapore, most cities today have a great selection of cool churches. It is no longer unusual to have a band, to have a light, to have a great sound in worship experiences. Church, if you only depend on being cutting edge, let me tell you, cutting edge today keeps changing super fast. With greater connectedness, what's novel before isn't normal no more. It's getting harder to be cutting edge because cutting edge keeps changing today and every day. And you know what? With the rise of Taobao, imitation kills innovation. 
because of online availability. Online availability. Churches just simply imitate each other. And the problem is, we rarely borrow the best practices. We just borrow the ones that seems obvious or perhaps have caught our imagination. And that's the thing. Often, the imitation is simply an imitation, a counterfeit. Not a studied adaption of a nuanced model that bridged the gospel to the current generation. And that's why what we need today is that we need innovation. Too many times we are looking for silver bullets, tricks or gimmicks that will move our church into a growth phase. But what's lacking is innovation. Somebody say with me, innovation. What's needed now is leaders, churches who are willing to go into the secret place of the Most High God and receive revelation from on high and pray and dig deep, willing to pioneer, go deep into the culture that is keeping, that's, that's always changing so that we can continue to adapt and reach the people who are increasingly resistant towards the gospel. And that's why today we need to pray. What we need to teach our church is to learn to dig deep in the valleys. Not just enjoy our mountaintop success. You see, that's the thing. What we need is that people who are willing to go deeper into the secret place of the Most High God and receive revelation. So that from revelation, we can pioneer new things that God wants us to do in order for us to keep reaching to this current generation. Listen, church. Look at what he says in Luke chapter 5, 36 and 39. He told them this parable. No one tears a piece, of, a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. No one pours new wine into old wine skin. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wine skin will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wine skins. Listen, church, don't forget that what we are after is not just success. Because the methods of success today may not be successful tomorrow. What we are after is continuous progress. What we are after is continuous revelation. What we are after is from one, from glory to glory, from strength to strength. What we are after is continuous revelation, continuous progress. God speaking to us, telling us what needs to be done for the evolving needs of society. And that's why the secret to longevity is the art of managing continuity and change what needs to be changed, and what needs to continue. What needs to, be, what needs to discontinue, and what needs to be changed. It is an art, and it requires us to pray. It requires us to be unbusy. It requires us to go deep in the presence of God until God speaks to you, so that God exactly knows His heart towards the current generation, and He will show you His heart. And when, you show, when God shows you His heart, you don't need any methods. Because with the heart of God, you will go all the way to reach out to this current generation. Come on, let's give Jesus a big round of applause. <laughs> Hallelujah. City Harvest, our primary reason for breaking ceilings is not so that we can look cool, but it's so that Jesus can remain accessible to the evolving needs of our society. So my whole point of breaking ceilings and creating new grounds is so that not to look us cooler, who can say amen, 
but so that we City Harvest Church can remain accessible, relevant to the current generation so that every one of them can come to Christ. You see, church, the point is not that being cool is bad. And how many of you know that being cool is not bad at all? Who can say amen? Because not bridging the cultural gap is even more dangerous than trying to bridge it and fail. My point is that when you understand the why, when you understand the purpose, your prayer for revival will become heart-centered instead of how-to-centered. Because no longer you pray to God just to bless you on your, for your evangelism plans, for your evangelistic programs. Instead, you'll be praying for God to show you His heart. Because when you experience the heart of God towards this lost generation, your heartbeat will be the same heartbeat as God. And when you can experience the heartbeat of God, there is compassion coming on you. And compassion will drive you into action to reach out to the current needs of society, no matter what the cost, no matter what the hindrance, no matter any barriers in front of you, you are willing to take it away. Because as long as people keep coming to Jesus and you understand this is the reason why we break ceilings, then you will always stay relevant to the current generation of today. Come on, give Jesus a big hand one more time, shall we? Hallelujah! Amen! Now church, so I have established to you the purpose, the why of breaking ceilings and, to, and the need for us to take on new grounds. How many of you can say amen? The purpose and the reason and the why is that so that our church the gospel can always remain accessible to the current needs of today's generation. So pastor, praise the Lord. Now, tell me how. How to break ceilings. No, 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 no. Before we continue to the how, the how actually, I want to reserve it the next time. Hallelujah, right? First, let's establish the why. Then, number two, let's establish for who you are breaking ceiling for. The who. You see, church, why is it that the who is so important? Because the main essence of the gospel, the main essence of the gospel, now remember, the purpose is so that the gospel can, be, can remain relevant. The gospel can always be accessible to the current needs of today. Who can say amen? Now, why is it that we need to establish number two, the who? Because the gospel that we are trying to use to bridge the current generation, the gospel does not teach us how to get salvation. The gospel essentially teaches us who can save you. It is not the how to get salvation. It is not the how to be successful. It is not how to get your miracles. It's not the how to go to the promised land. But it is about who can heal you. Who can save you. Who can bring you into revival? Who can say amen? Now, that's why it is important to understand the who before you understand the how. Now, while the disciples were asking how to have bread to feed the 5,000 people over there, they are all discussing on the how. They forgot that right in front of them is actually the bread of life. Amen, right? They forgot that right in front of them is the bread of life. And as long as they can understand that and bring what they have to give it to Jesus, 
Jesus can turn the little into much. You see, that's the thing. You see, if you are always thinking about how to, how to, how to, you will always be looking at your limitation and what you don't have. But if you start looking at who can give the miracle for you, who can give the revival to you, then no matter what you have, no matter how much you have, you say it is enough for Jesus to use to bring a revival and miracle in my life. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen, right? You see, that's why if the devil cannot take things from you, then he will make sure that what you have, he makes you feel insignificant. So what you have, you give it to the Lord. Because the gospel is about who can bring revival to you, not how to get revival. Who can say amen? You see, that's the thing. We need to understand the who. Now, remember, just now I said that today's generation, today's church, that we need to have greater or more substance than stuff. We need to have more substance than stuff in the church today. Who can say amen? No, church, today there are many cool churches. I told you just now. But friends, the problem is this. They have, we have a lot of cool churches. But today, they are so cool that they have turned cold towards Christ. Today, churches are very cool. But there is no fire there is no passion. Today, they even shun the speaking of tongues and the Holy Spirit. And they are ashamed of speaking in tongues in public because they are scared that speaking in tongues will drive the people away. But friends, that's what it is. It is the Holy Spirit that draws men to Jesus. So we can never, never, never be afraid of speaking in tongues. How many of you can say amen? We must never be afraid of the Holy Spirit or be ashamed of the Holy Spirit. But today, many cool churches have turned cold towards God. They lack the passion. They lack the fire. Friends, let me tell you this. They have more cool stuff in church than they have the substance of Christ. They have many cool stuff. Guess what? This is the latest LED. Right? Just released yesterday. I already got it. Hallelujah. Amen, right? You know what? This is the latest iPad. Just released yesterday. I already got it. You know what? We, we want to have cooler stuff, cooler gadgets. But friends, cooler gadgets don't save people, you know? You know what we save people? Save people is even when you are using old school Bible, but if you have the anointing of the Holy Spirit, people will come to, to the saving knowledge of Jesus. What we need is substance. Somebody say with me, Substance. Turn to your neighbor and tell her you need more substance than stuff. You need to have Jesus more in our midst. Who can say amen? Not a substitute of Jesus. We need Jesus more in church. Now, that's why. Why is it that the substance is so important in our life and in our church? Because gadgets come and go. Fashion come and go. Right? Cool come and go. But the substance of Jesus will always remain attractive to people regardless of which generation you come from. The substance of Jesus. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. As long as you have the anointing, as long as you have the substance of Jesus living inside of you and being expressed out of you every week when we come to gathering like this, people from all over the world will come because they are sick and tired of gadgets. They want the real deal. 
They want to have the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost. They want to experience healing. They want to experience revelation. Not tickling in their ears. That's why we need to grow in our substance of Jesus inside of us and in our service, in our cell groups, in our Bible study, in our prayer meetings. Jesus must be lifted up. Listen, church, why is it that the substance of Jesus must be so real and deep inside our hearts? Because if you carry the substance of Jesus inside of you, you know what, friends? You have conviction. And our conviction speaks more than our words today in this age of compromise. Our conviction speaks louder than many words in this age of compromise. No, church. That's why Billy Graham said this, you got to be attractive and winsome, but do not compromise your conviction for the sake of popularity. Listen, church, why is it that you need to establish the who before you start breaking ceilings and taking on new grounds? Because before you try to change the world, you better go deeper in Christ. Otherwise, instead of you changing the world, the world will instead conform you. Now guys, let me tell you, the challenge that you guys are facing today is different from the challenges we faced yesterday. And today, the lure of the world, the lure of culture is even more prevalent today than ever before. And the thing is this, if you are not convicted in Christ, if you are not convinced that Jesus Christ is Lord, sooner or later, culture will conform you to think otherwise. And that's why today, it is no longer enough for the church to say that we love you and accept you the way you are. You know, today, nowadays, this phrase, don't hold water no more. I accept you the way you are, right? They will start challenging you. You know what? In today's culture and age, the world wants the church to not only accept them, they want the church to conform to their ideology and value. Otherwise, you'll be branded as discriminatory or intolerant. So what are you going to do? Church, this is not new. It happened before in the times of Daniel. And if you are not rooted in Christ, then culture will become your God. It is Christ in culture, not Christ or culture. Amen, hallelujah, right? See, if you are not careful, then let me tell you, culture will conform you. And the church will eventually become a culture club. A social club, right? Instead of a house of God. Instead of the presence, the holy of holies. Instead of a healing center. Instead of a miracle center. Instead of Jesus, the head of this house. Who can say amen? It happened in the times of Daniel. The Bible says in the book of Daniel chapter 3, verse 13 to 15, 16 to 18. It happened. During the times of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he says here, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods of worship, the image of gold I have set up? 
Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Now, friends, do you notice that in this story, the Bible never once described what kind of image that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have to bow down to. Do you notice that the gods or the image here were never described nor depicted? So safe to say, when Nebuchadnezzar say, you bow down to my gods and to the image that I have set up, the gods and the image represents or symbolizes the Babylonian culture, the Babylonian value, and the Babylonian kind of worship. So it is the Babylonian culture, the Babylonian values, and the Babylonian kind of worship. Now, the next interesting thing about this is this. King Nebuchadnezzar also never once said to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to tell them that they cannot worship their God. Interestingly is that King Nebuchadnezzar didn't prohibit them from worshiping Jehovah. So King Nebuchadnezzar didn't say, you cannot worship Jehovah. But what King Nebuchadnezzar is trying to tell them was this, you can worship Jehovah, but on top of Jehovah, you must also bow down to culture. Now it's different from, you cannot worship Jehovah, and you must worship my God. But he's saying to you, you can worship your God. But please, on top of that God, in addition to that God, you must bow down to culture. Sounds familiar today, huh? You see, that's the thing. That's why, no wonder, God is so prophetic in giving us the Ten Commandments. Because He can see thousands of years later to today that the problem of today's society it's not just worshipping God, but it is the problem of worshipping God only. Think about this for a moment, so that I can drink some water. You see, that's why the first commandment said, you must worship your God and Him only you shall serve. And the problem today is this, you can worship your God, but on top of our God, Jehovah, please, you got to bow down to culture. Now, church, that's why Jesus said, you cannot worship God and mammon. You must choose. It's either God or is it mammon? Who can say amen? Now, the thing is this. He is saying that you can worship your Jehovah. You can worship your God privately, but in matters of public and culture, your faith has no part in them. What he's trying to tell Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is this. Keep your faith private at home. Don't bring your faith view into culture. But friends, you know what? I was, I was listening to this podcast yesterday and it was so good. You know what? Tim Keller said this. He says what? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In essence, what this statement means, your relationship with God affects your worldview. Your relationship of, with God, how you deal with God, how you have a relationship with God, your faith view 
affects your worldview. But today, it's the other way around. Your worldview is influencing your faith view. And that's the problem that we are facing today. Today's generation, how many of you can agree with me? Right? The challenge that we are facing today is this. Our young people believe in God. No problem. Do you believe in God? Everybody say, woo! Imaj, do you believe in God? But the problem with young people is this. I believe in God. Believing God is no problem. But it's just that they feel free to define Him and His truth on their own terms, preference, and experience. To them, the Bible is not the only source of truth. To them, the Bible is one of the many sources of truth. Listen, church. If you are not convinced if you don't have conviction that Jesus Christ is Lord, sooner or later, culture will conform you and make you think that it is okay to worship God and mammon. Pretty soon, you start challenging the Ten Commandments. Pretty soon, you start using your own terms to define what truth is all about. Church, truth is truth. <laughs> Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. He's the only truth. And truth is not subjective. The only reason we can say that Jesus is truth is because He knows where He comes from and He knows where He is going. <laughs> and because He knows where He comes from and He knows where He is going, He can tell you the truth. This is the truth. The way you need to live your life is that me, go through me. But today, the society has changed, has already changed. Now, biblical truth has been replaced with cultural truth. Cultural truth is that they use scripture, but they interpret it using experiences and feelings. And friends, if you are not convinced that Jesus Christ is Lord, remember, guys, four people brought them brought the paraplegic friend to Jesus. You know why four? Because God needs you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit plus you need to bring the world to Jesus. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit plus you cannot just Father, Son, and Holy Spirit alone. See, the devil cannot influence Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But the devil can influence you. The devil can lie to you. And that's the problem today. Young people, our current generation, they will shape truth to fit their own desires and experience. And that's why church, before you want to impact culture, how many of you want to break ceilings and take on new grounds? Amen. Lift up your hands. Yeah, now not many people already. Just now first part. Wow, yes. Now not many people. Amen, right? Before you want to impact culture and break barriers, church, can I tell you this? You better be grounded in God or else culture will conform you. And the fact is, we cannot stop the world or culture from trying to influence us negatively. It cannot. You cannot stop it. But what is important is that what choice would you take when you are faced with social pressure, peer pressure, or cultural pressure? My point today is this. I'm not talking about culture. I'm not talking about what's going on in the world. I'm talking about you. 
I'm talking about your own faith in God. What would you do if you are faced with social pressure, cultural pressure? What would you do? What choice would you take? Do you take a hybrid choice? God and mammon? Or will you take the one and only true, cho true choice? Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. I bow down to Him and I submit myself under His Lordship. Listen church, don't go so far. Look at what the Bible says. Then we have the answer already. Who can say amen? You see, what was the three Hebrew boys' response when they are faced with pressure to compromise? The Bible says that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves. Guys, please stop arguing in Facebook. Please stop getting angry and start arguing with your friends pertaining to issues of society of today in Facebook, in Instagram, in Twitter. Why? Because, listen to this, huh? you cannot reply to hate with the same spirit you despise in them. Listen, it's the same with parents, right? You know what? You are teaching your kids to be patient. But what do you do? You shout at them, stop! Amen, right? So you are telling your kids, control yourself, but you are uncontrollable. Right? You tell your kids, right? You know, stop! Okay, right? You tell your kids to control yourself, but you yourself are uncontrollable. Why? Because you cannot respond to hate with the same spirit that you despise in them. I mean, I'm not despising my kids, <laughs> but with haters, right? Or with people who are like, you know, coming against you, whacking you, hit this. Uh, uh, uh. And you know what? You are so worked out. So what do you do? You start whacking them also through Facebook, through Instagram. Can I tell you this? Facebook don't change the world. Only Jesus changed the world. Let me tell you, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Preaching through social media is never as effective as preaching the gospel in church. It's important. I know it's important. Digital age is important. That's why we have the CAC app. Who can say amen? You need to download the app, you know. Because our anniversary is coming. If by next anniversary, you still have not downloaded the app. You need it to be thrown into the fire. Hallelujah, right? <laughs> we believe in digital preaching the gospel. We believe in that. Who can say amen? But you cannot substitute preaching the gospel one-to-one -one in church, listening to the Word of God in a community. In a community. Because no man grows in isolation. The Bible says this. I don't need to defend myself before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And He will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if it does not, we want you to know your majesty. You notice, in the midst of pressure, they are still respectful. And yet so many Christians, when they are provoked, all respect and four letter word all come up. Amen, hallelujah, right? In the Facebook, in the Instagram, all the unholy words starts to come out. Don't do that. 
they are still respectful. They are full of respect. You see, church, what else did it say? That we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Listen, the three Hebrew boys, when they are faced with social pressure, responded with conviction instead of reacted with confrontation. Church, confrontation is never the solution. Conviction is always the solution. And nowadays, people with conviction are both rare and refreshing. That's why their reply to the king was this, O king, we don't need to discuss or debate on this matter no more. We won't bow to your pressure nor threat in order to compromise our faith because the God we serve will deliver us. But even if He does not deliver us, we still will not bow down to culture. Why were they able to say things? Because of their conviction. Because their faith is firmly rooted in the person of God rather than the miracles God can do for them to spare them from trouble. And if there's one thing that we need to grow in our church, we need to grow deeper in our conviction. Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior. No one else. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen, right? And because at such a young age, they are already so rooted and grounded in the person of God. Out of that conviction, out of that conviction flows trust in God. City Harvest, conviction always produces trust in God. That's why when they were thrown into the fire, now guys, when they said, you know what, I had faith that my God will deliver me. Now you would have thought that when they display such brave faith, in front of King Nebuchadnezzar and God, that God will honor his faith or their faith and show up and stop them from being thrown into the fire. But guess what? Even after they showed such courage and bravery and heroic words, my God will always deliver me. Guess what? The next thing they are tied up and got thrown into the fire. In fact, it infuriates King Nebuchadnezzar even more. The Bible says, turn the furnace seven times more. But church, when your faith runs out, turn your faith to trust in God. Because if your faith doesn't bring in the miracle, your trust will cause you to go through the fire. And that's why trusting and conviction is so important for us to develop inside of us. Because conviction that leads to trust is when you know that Jesus saves us through the fire, not just saves us from the fire. And church, because of this, because of their conviction, look at what King Nebuchadnezzar said. The Bible says what? Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him. Even King Nebuchadnezzar said they trusted in him. And they defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Friends, this is the word of the Lord for you today, young people, that you need to build inside of you. You need to build your conviction. You need to build your trust in God. And that your trust must be rooted on the person of God. That even if God doesn't save you from the fire, you must know you still will not bow down to culture and you are willing to go through the fire and ultimately God will rescue you out of the fire. 
Hallelujah. Your conviction and your trust in the Lord in the face of pressure or compromise may not save you from crisis. You know, today, if you disagree with certain ideologies, they will use economic pressure to boycott your business. Today, if you don't agree with certain ideology, they will brand you using euphemism and brand you as intolerant, brand you as a bigot, brand you as something else. And you know what? You will face a lot of pressure, economic pressure, social pressure, cultural pressure. But friends, I want to tell you this. If your faith is rooted in the person of God, let me tell you, even though sometimes you will go through the fire, but you will come out of the fire not, not smelling like smoke. <laughs> Who can say amen? <laughs> you will survive. You will go through it. But more importantly, you will gain the respect of the people around you because at least someone is, convict, is convicted of their faith. Hallelujah. I want to end by saying this. Can I have the musicians to come up? Jesus says, Jesus told us on the function, on the purpose of the church, in Matthew 5, verse 14 to verse 16. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people like a lamb and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know what, church? What is the purpose of the church? The purpose of the church, one of the purposes of the church is that in the midst of the world getting darker, how many of you know that, yes, we can see that sometimes culture is getting darker. In the midst of the world getting darker in their values, cultural degradation, one of the primary functions of the church is to be the light of the world. What do you mean by that? That means when the world gets darker, the church must be able to uphold its shine and light. That means when cultural morality gets darker, the church must be able to hold on to its conviction to uphold biblical truth morality. If we lose that primary function of upholding God's truth and morality, then there will be no holes barred to what kind of morality or cultural truth you and I can choose to believe. But if you are able to stand strong in your conviction and in love, in respect, in conviction, not confrontation, you are actually a breath of fresh air in the midst of this culture of compromise. That's why City Harvest Church, before you break ceilings and take on new grounds, number one, you must understand the purpose. And number two, you better get yourself grounded deeper in God. Because who you are facing is not ordinary giant you are facing the strong men of nations. And that's why if you don't go deeper, culture will conform you. And that's why, how many of you want to get deeper and say to yourself, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. I will not bow down to anything. Give God a big hand. Hallelujah, right? Praise the Lord. Let's all stand up on our feet. You know what, church? The next time we come back, hopefully we can talk about the how. You know what, church, before we start singing this song, and you know, if you can, just help me to just hold on for a while before I end today's sermon. One leader sent me an article recently, one leader, stating that 
many U.S. churches today have forgotten their purpose and now they have become an entertainment-driven social organizations, eager to blend in with secular culture instead of focusing on biblical discipleship. He further pointed out that ironically, churches that focus on entertainment and fail to present the whole gospel are actually driving millennials and Generation Z away. Now, it's not without basis. He cited research from Barna Group and the Cornerstone Knowledge Network, which found that 67% of millennials today prefer a classic church over a trendy one. 67 prefer a classic church over a trendy one. That means, can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine? They still prefer a classic church rather than a trendy one. What do you mean by classic? Classic does not mean old and useless or irrelevant. Classic means timeless. That's why until today, you are still singing a classic hymn, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. This classic hymn lasts through generations until today. You know, there are timeless classics. To Kill a Mockingbird is a timeless classic. Romeo and Juliet is a timeless classic. Right? Macbeth is a timeless classic. Why is it timeless? It's not that it's old. It's not that it is irrelevant. No, because the message of that literature speaks to us until today. Classic means timeless. Something that is judged over a period of time to be of the highest quality and outstanding of its kind. What is that? What is that? What is classic? What is timeless? Let me tell you. It's the substance of Jesus Christ. It's our conviction. It's the anointing, the presence of God. I can tell you this. Substance of Jesus will remain timeless through all the generation. Same yesterday, today, and forever. City Harvest Church, before we enter into a new season of our life, can we get deeper in Jesus? Somebody tell me this. It was so good. The Bible says, Isaiah, enlarge the place of your tent. Strengthen your stake. Do you notice? He didn't say, build another tent. No. He says what? Enlarge the place of your tent. The current tent that you are having, that you are using, dig deeper. Grow bigger inside. Don't try to build another tent if you have not dug deeper and stronger in your faith in God. And that's why I want to encourage you. Be rooted in your conviction. Jesus Christ is Lord. I will never bow down to anything. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you. Just lift up your hands. Just lift up your hands and worship Him. Oh, hallelujah. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. Without us, so Jesus, you brought heaven 
and begin to pray in tongues for the next 30 seconds. I want you to begin to dig deeper. Let's pray. And begin to say, Jesus, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. I will worship you and you only. I will worship you and only you that I will serve. Jesus, don't let culture become substitute. Become your substitute. Don't make my feelings become your substitute. Don't make cultural truth become my substitute of biblical truth. Jesus, deepen my anointing, deepen my relationship with you. You are my one and only Savior, no one else. You are the truth, the way and the life. I want you to pray in the Spirit. Come on. Come on, dig deeper in the valley. Hallelujah. Oh. 
Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. I will serve you. I will serve you. I will worship you. I will worship you. Only. Only. Nothing else. Nothing else. No other substitute. No other substitute. Can replace. Can replace. My faith on you. My faith on you. Jesus. Jesus. Strengthen my faith. Strengthen my faith. My conviction. My conviction. Reveal more of yourself. Reveal more of yourself. To me. To me. Greater revelation. Greater revelation. Greater conviction. Greater conviction. Now I want you to pray for yourself. That in the next seven days or 14 days, or from now to the end of this year, that God will reveal more of Himself to you in your own way, in His own way towards you. He will reveal Himself to you that He is the one and only true Savior. Today, many of you who have doubts about God, doubts about faith, let me tell you, He loves you. It doesn't matter what things that you are struggling right now, what sins or what weakness you are struggling right now, it doesn't matter. But tonight, I want you to just begin to pray, Jesus, reveal yourself to me from now until the end of this year, that my faith will be more rooted in the person of God, not in the miracles that you can do for me. The City Harvest Church will be more rooted in God. Greater conviction in Jesus' name. More, more of Jesus. Out of the Holy Spirit. Father, take away every reason. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Lord, that tonight, today, let the word of God sink deep inside our heart. The word of God will bear forth fruits. The fruits, Father, of repentance. The fruits of conviction. The fruits, Father, Lord, that we will never be shaken by culture or by challenges in life. I pray, Father, tonight, Lord, that every single one of us here will rise up to the occasion and, Lord, will become true followers of Jesus, Him only that we shall serve. We thank You. We praise You. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, everybody say, come on, let's give Jesus a big hand. City Harvest Church. Woo! Hallelujah! Are you blessed by this week's podcast? Tell us at connect at chc.org.sg.